Hello, we start very, very basic. Do you mind telling us what you do? You can also tell us who you are, but you don't have to. Okay, I'm happy to tell you. Uh, my name is Florian Glatz and I'm uh, a crypto lawyer. I've been in the space full-time since 2014 before I've been just curious about Bitcoin. But then 2014, Ethereum came around and it totally changed the narrative of what you can actually do with this technology. It's not just currency. It's really everything, right? Every kind of computation can be done in this trustless, decentralized manner. And uh, coming from a legal background, um, I just quickly realized how it could completely disrupt the law, uh, but I also realized how it could challenge regulations that are designed not with a decentralization, but with a centralization mindset, uh, basically uh, assuming that there is always some intermediary that can be addressed with regulation. And blockchain allows uh, for the emergence of decentralized protocols, decentralized autonomous organizations and infrastructure that is not based on intermediation, but disintermediation, where you actually have the users of a platform also governing the platform. And so this new paradigm was incredibly fascinating to me and it drew me into the space. And uh, yeah, I mean, the rest is history, right? So um, the space grew, more and more amazing people joined and are building what today we can just, I think, admire as being the most disruptive stuff we've seen in, I don't know, maybe centuries. I don't know. It's really, I think we're still, it's still too early to say how, how historical everything is, but I think everybody here at SCC feels that, I don't know, we're making history. So yeah, it's awesome to be a part of this community and to contribute uh, in some form to the, yeah, the success of, of everything that we do. And I think the ability to understand the old world and how it works based on laws and regulators enforcing those laws is uh, becoming increasingly important. It has always played a role since the beginning. So uh, in Germany, where I'm uh, originally from and where I'm based, I'm based in Berlin, the financial regulator has recognized Bitcoin as a financial instrument already in 2013. So there are no Bitcoin ATMs in Germany, for example, for the simple reason that BaFin classified Bitcoin as a financial instrument. So if you want to provide Bitcoin ATM services, you basically need a banking license. So nobody has that who is interested in Bitcoin. So it's just not there, right? If you go to Austria or Switzerland, where this isn't the case, there are a lot of Bitcoin ATMs, right? And so regulation has always had a big impact on the space. But now with DeFi, which is really, you know, the brainchild of the Ethereum community more than anyone else's, I think, we're entering into a new stage of regulatory oversight. And so uh, I'm really working at this interface and it's uh, incredibly exciting. That's an awesome answer. Thanks. Yes, to follow up on that, how can we imagine your day to day? So do you work for a specific protocol or do you work in the, the public space? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So I'm doing mainly two things. On the one hand, I'm kind of working for the community in the sense that I talk to regulators a lot. Um, that is a work that I've done uh, unpaid so far for uh, many years now, actually. And uh, I'm doing it simply because uh, I feel that somebody has to do it. Um, and there are a growing number of, of lawyers interested in the space and also looking 
favorably at the innovative aspect and not as much at the you know riskier or more shady aspects of it right the defy and 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 all this stuff it can enable both good and bad use cases but um i think more and more lawyers are joining that rather look at the good stuff and so it, this is a great development but still i think the direct relationship to regulators and lawmakers is still very underdeveloped by the community right the community is rather talking about how everything they do is unstoppable and cannot be censored and so you know also now we have daos so we don't even need legal entities anymore so who cares about the regulators right so i take it upon myself uh, together with uh, other really cool people in the space to uh, to take over that that function that I think the community needs. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, I do in fact uh, work with uh, some protocols that just need very specific advice of basically, well, how to build a DAO, how to launch a decentralized protocol, how to do it in a way where, you know, you can navigate this complex compliance landscape, which is, uh, you know, it's global by nature, right? You need to look at the US, you need to look at Europe, you need to look at China, India, all these regions and countries come up with their own regulatory schemes. And uh, if you're launching a project in the space, you need some legal advice. So I provide that too. That's what I do on the day to day. So to, to be more concrete, um, end of last year, the European Commission leaked a proposal for a all-encompassing regulation of crypto assets in Europe. It's called MICA, which stands for Markets in Crypto Assets. It's a very comprehensive, all-encompassing set of rules that regulate primarily stablecoins, but also ICOs, NFTs, liquidity mining schemes, decentralized exchanges, centralized exchanges. Everything you can imagine is in that thing. And unfortunately, it was drafted in basically in the summer of 2019, more or less, which was kind of before DeFi took off the way it does now. And so it doesn't really address DeFi in a way where decentralized project can actually comply with all the requirements that are stipulated in this draft proposal by the commission. I took it upon myself together with other people uh, in the space, other lawyers, to actually reach out to the commission, to reach out to the member state council, to the European parliament, and actually educate them about the existence of DeFi and the narrative behind it, the positive narrative, right? Not the terrorism financing stuff that is being pushed by banks and other incumbents, but actually the ability for financial inclusion for a more transparent uh, financial system, uh, the aspect of composability, the, the power of permissionless innovation, all these like positive things, right, they didn't know about. And so uh, just yeah, almost on a daily basis, uh, we had calls during the corona time with uh, yeah, European institutions and trying to show them that there is, you know, this emerging thing where actually a lot of innovators are in Europe, right? A lot of projects come from Europe. And now the EU is pushing a regulation that would make most of that stuff illegal and impossible to become actually legalized and kind of forcing it into a framework of of centralized finance really where it doesn't really fit into at all by nature and so yeah just having a lot of conversations with those kinds of people and you know speaking their language like bridging this gap that's that's my vocation i would say and my passion and uh, yeah that's great Sounds like a tough job, honestly. Yeah, 
it's it's tough, but it's rewarding, right? Because um, now with this Mika proposal, um, we actually were successful in bringing in a few um, considerations and like uh, modifications to the actual text that says, yeah, if a project is sufficiently decentralized, then it is not captured by that regulation, for example. It was toned down a little bit later because in, so it's really interesting, right? There is an active kind of fight going on behind the scenes where certain powerful groups um, are trying to keep DeFi down and they try to push it into a corner of, you know, with with the Silk Road and, and the Darknet, right? Saying that it's just about facilitating money laundering and terrorism financing. Anybody who's been at FCC knows that isn't true. I mean, you have the most ingenious smart young people here that actually have an incredible ethics and and that actually want to make the space you know uh, like want to improve the world i think nobody's doubting that and so um yeah fighting those bad narratives is uh is what what we did and um it's rewarding to see the success uh of our work but you know every day something new comes along so there is now a few days ago, it was um, it was also leaked again that there is now a new EU proposal again on AML, so anti-money laundering laws, which wants to address the problem of anonymous transactions on blockchains. And so they are just continuously tightening the screws on this space, which to some extent is understandable. So there will probably need to be some regulation. Whatever regulation that will be there, it should allow for those innovative use cases to be developed and to be actually to become fully mass market compatible, right? So that my parents can use this stuff too, right? And this won't happen if we don't actually engage with regulators, right? They, on, on their own, they will not understand it or do it because they are actively being like, you know, talked to by certain powers in today's market that have no interest uh, in this happening. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, but rewarding, I would say. Yeah, almost answers my next question a bit. Can you tell us how like the regulators react? We hear how crypto people react to regulators, but how did they react to some of the stuff you told them? So their reactions are, I think, more open and I think differentiated than one would expect. So if you talk to them directly and you find the right kind of tone, then they start to listen. And a few really, I think, high, higher up uh, people in this EU hierarchy, which is a, such a complex organism, uh, but some really higher up people, for example, when you tell them about stable coins, which is in particular something that Europe is worried about because it challenges the monetary sovereignty of the Eurozone, right? Uh, when you explain them what's happening, that in fact, uh, the crypto asset space is already, you know, operating on stable coins in a major fashion. And that 99.5% of all these stable coins are dollar denominated. And the euro is already completely sidelined, right? Like even European startups need to operate based on a, on a dollar currency because there's no euro stable coins uh, that have have any traction whatsoever not yet you know then they realize oh okay maybe 
we cannot just say, hey, let's make a digital uh, central bank, uh, digital currency, euro, which is going to take, you know, 10 years to develop and it's going to solve all, all our problems because in the meantime, the US dollar is going to dominate that new branch of finance. And so we need to allow for a regime in Europe that also absorbs and pushes to the mainstream innovation in the private sector. And in particular, this concept of privately issued decentralized euro stable coins is something we should actually consider as a positive and not as a negative as it is being done right now right so uh, so yeah I, I forgot your question but how do the regulators react more differentiated than we thought i mean we got some exceptions into this mika proposal but i think it's really just the beginning right so i think what the community needs to realize is how the public perception of crypto is right now and the public perception is not good, right? I, I, I know that's hard to see when you're, you know, engaged in, uh, in all this, uh, you know, yield farming and, uh, you know, all these cool innovative protocols that are coming out. It feels like, wow, we're changing the world. But when you step out of that and you talk to regulators or politicians in general, and but also media, then you realize that all they see when they look at crypto and DeFi is gambling, speculation, uh, AML, terrorist financing, um, huge energy consumption. Um, and, they, and that's all the narratives they are exposed to and that they then repeat. And when we look at the amendments that the European Parliament has proposed to this Mika proposal, which comes from the Commission and now then the Parliament makes change, uh, like amendment proposals to it, then you can see, for example, that the issue of energy consumption is really, really important for these guys, which makes sense, right? And it should play a role. But then if you look at their proposals, you realize that they don't understand at all how consensus algorithms work, what really, you know, constitutes energy consumption in the blockchain and so on. And so a lot of the stuff they propose is just unworkable. It's based on incomplete knowledge. And so I think what the, what the community needs to realize is that we need to do a much better job in creating positive narratives and spreading those narratives outside of the community to new people, right? It's uh, not happening in a sufficient manner. And although, of course, DeFi is to some extent unstoppable, the current people in the people currently in power can easily prevent DeFi from ever becoming mainstream, right? So it will forever stay a fringe kind of shadow banking economy that you can have fun uh, engaging in. But, you know, even today trying to, let's say, you know, you've made major gains on some crypto speculation and you now want to move that money onto your fiat bank account. In Germany, it can easily happen to you that your bank is closing your account immediately when they see a big transaction from, I don't know, some major crypto exchange. They just close your account because they're like, Oh, that's, you know, that's for sure money that wasn't properly declared to the tax authorities and so on. So it's just close your account. And um, that can become the norm rather than the exception. And then DeFi will never reach the potential that it actually has. So um, I really liked what Vitalik said yesterday also in uh, the speech he gave here at SCC saying, hey, we should also look beyond DeFi, right? What else can this technology do that makes the world better? And I think this needs to become also part of our narrative 
saying that essentially, hey, open blockchains are the game changer. It's a new kind of infrastructure. It's not so easy to govern from the perspective of a nation state because it transcends all the national borders. But it's where the real innovative potential lies. Like it has potential to unlock human potential, right? And um, this narrative so far is, I mean, it's we all know it who are here in, in Paris, but outside of the small group, um, it's not being seen. And that is a major issue. Oh, so much alpha in there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so my audience is very widespread. Everything from minor to DeFi nerds to beginner. Is there something the normal person can do to prepare or to have impact or get involved? Yeah. So I think the community should come together and create, and we already see it happening in some sense, create dedicated groups of people like me and others who can bridge the gap to the traditional world and explain all these crazy ideas that people have to, to spread these narratives. So I think that there should be an effort by the community to do that. And we've seen, for example, in some DAOs proposals for uh, doing lobbying, right? So we've seen it with the Uniswap uh, um, grants, uh, Maker is doing it. And so this is something that is slowly starting where DAOs are using some of the massive funds they've accrued over the past few years to actually um, yeah, pay people to uh, go out and, and do that kind of uh, work. And so I think this is something that people in the space who may be part of some DAOs of the governance to actually look for such proposals or find people that may be suitable to execute such proposals to actually yeah, do that work, right? It's just real work somebody needs to do. And the other thing I think is to, I mean, to maybe ask themselves, well, how could I contribute, right? Like, uh, what am I doing beyond, you know, aping into some yield farming schemes? What am I doing to make sure that, you know, this is not just a singular moment in time where I can make these crazy, you know, profits and yields, but how can I make sure that somebody who discovers this space in five years will also have those opportunities as opposed to, you know, everything being banned or completely like made illegal or illegitimate, right? So uh, how can we actually grow this as opposed to keeping it for ourselves until it's, you know, shut down essentially? So I think that's something everybody could do, but I think we need to act as a community. And so coming to an event like SCC is just really uh, encouraging to see uh, what this community is capable of. The people um, who are part of the project, not, not just individuals who are, you know, maybe uh, investing here and there, but actually people who are building something in the DeFi space or generally the decentralized use case space, whatever it may be. I think they should, if they don't already, start to get engaged with the change, changing regulatory landscape. So there is, when you Google and so on, there's a lot of emerging attempts to pass regulation that will most likely affect what they are building. Uh, like, for example, yesterday I was at this really great talk from Angle, which is a new euro-based stablecoin. And um, I really want to see that project flourish. At the same time, there is this law now or this proposal for a law in Europe to actually make their use case illegal. So, uh, you know, I was also asking, well, how do you plan to navigate this? And 
So they were for sure aware of it, but they don't really know how to deal with it either. They are like, well, we try to stay under the radar, right? Okay, that may not be the final answer, right? I don't think you will be able to stay under the radar, especially if you want to be successful. If you will be successful, you won't be under the radar, right? So it's contradictory even. Me, myself, I've started an initiative. It's called the European Crypto Initiative. Uh, we're focused on Europe, a nonprofit that is based in Brussels and is addressing directly the European institutions. And so what we do is talk to the regulators directly and make proposals for how regulation could look like that you know tries to walk this path between uh, empowering the permissionless innovation that DeFi makes possible, while at the same time giving the assurances to the regulators that they need, right? So um, we, of course, don't want terrorism financing. We, of course, don't want to support money laundering. But at the same time, we're all for, you know, liberty, the ability to have anonymous transactions. We don't want the government to surveil us, you know, 24-7. So I think it's about trying to find a middle ground. And um, that's what we do. And on the other hand, we inform the community about what's happening. So that's why I'm mentioning it. Anybody who's interested in these topics, they can find us, European Crypto Initiative, and we publish everything we do open source. So everybody can look at it, they can comment on it. And we just uh, post a lot of updates around, you know, there is a new EU regulatory proposal, there's this and that. So if people want to follow up on this stuff, they can just follow our newsletter or Twitter or Telegram or I don't know, we have a million channels and they get all the information. I think I'm already all out of questions, but there is a lot to digest and think about. I talked a lot, sorry. No, 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 it's, it's very much appreciated. I, I said off the record before, this is stuff we rarely get to hear and we only get to hear something when something bad has happened already, not, not before.